Hey friends, what's up? Welcome back to Babel on Talmud. Today we are studying Daf Kuf Chaf Ches of Masechta Shabbos, Daf 128 of Masechta Shabbos. Wow, we're really moving over here. Um, yeah, cool Daf today, maybe. Uh, let's do an overview before we begin. So, we're going to talk about a number of things. So items that you may not move on Shabbos. Sounds exciting. Uh, moving raw meat. Hmm. Okay. What do you do if an animal falls into a stream of water? Well, if you just bear with us for a little bit, you'll know. And then we're talking about um, moving animals, birds, people. How do you move them? All right. What happens if a animal is giving birth on Shabbos? What happens if a woman is giving birth on Shabbos? Well, we're going to get to all of these things, friends. Here we go. Daf kuf chaf ches. Mamish all the way at the top. You ready? Tell me when you're ready. All right, I'll wait. All right. <laughs> Fine. Kuf chaf ches all the way at the top. Avaloa satevel. So you may not remember back in the Mishnah, kuf chaf vav amudbez. So... We were talking about different things that you can move out of the way for guests. So we said that you may not move um, tevel. What's tevel? Tevel is um, uh, produce that has not been tithed. T-I-T-H-E-D. Tithed. How do you say it? Tithed. Tithed. It's hard, it's hard to say, right? Okay. So pshita. So the says, of course you can't move tevel. It's muktza. So it's talking about dirabanan tevel. What makes it dirabanan tevel? Well, because it's, uh, I guess, produce that grew in a pot that doesn't have any holes in it. So it's considered separate from the ground. But I guess midirabanan, they still require you to take truma and meiser from it, I guess. So this was uh, produce that was grown in a pot that didn't have any holes. And otzitz she'enu nakuv, and it's and it's chayiv and truma semaiser, I guess midrabanan, but you didn't separate that. So that's what we're talking about, and we're saying that you may not move it on Shabbos. Below meiser rishon v'chulei, you may not move meiser rishon that it's truma semaiser was never given to the kohen. So pshita, obviously you wouldn't be able to move it. You need to give. Uh, you, the levy needs to separate 10% of the meiser that he took from the field and give that to the Kohen. And as long as he hasn't done that, well then, uh, you may not move it. Isn't that obvious? So, Tzricha Shekdimo Bechri. Shenato Mimenu Meiser Velonat Lamimenu Truma Gedola. Remember, what we were talking about yesterday, that there's a nafkamina, right, when, when the levy goes and hops his meiser before the Kohen takes the Truma Gedola. So we said that there's a difference between if the Levi does this when the grain was just still lying on the field or if they were already piled into a pile. If they, if the Levi took this, um, miser before, or you mean he went, when the, when the grain was just lying on the field before it was put into a pile, well then he does not have to, uh, separate Truma Gedola and give that to the Kohen. However, if um he takes his miser before the Kohen took his truma and the produce, the grain, 
was already piled into piles. Well, at that point, it's already Chayev and Truma Gedola, which means that the Levi, in addition to giving his, the 10% of what he took to the Kohen, he would also have to give whatever part of the Trumas Meiser, no, whatever part of the Meiser that he took was also relevant or, or, or yeah, relevant, I guess, Shaykh to the um, Kohen for Truma Gedola. So in addition to separating Trumas Meiser, he also has to separate um, the proper Shear of Truma Gedola. So, so again, three lines into the Gemara. Obviously, if you have Meiser Rishon, that the Levi did not separate any Trumas Meiser at all to give to the Kohen, obviously you won't be able to move that. To which the Gemara says, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. It's talking about where the Levi beat the Kohen and the Levi took his, his Meiser before the coin took his truma, but the grain had already been gr- gathered into a pile. Shenatamimenu meiser, and then the levi separated trumas meiser, and he gave that to the coin. Velonatlamimenu truma gedola, but he never set aside the truma gedola that at this point was also shaykh to the kohen. I may have thought like Rav Papa said yesterday to Abaye, which is that. You know, we have this Pasuk that says, right, that, that, that the Levi needs to take Maiser and Maiser, he doesn't have to take Truma Gedola from the Maiser, right, even if it's Bichri, even if it's from a pile. So therefore, what the Mishnah is teaching us, which is like the way that Abaye answered her Papa, which is, yes, while we do have that one Pasuk that says, right, it says, uh, so that does imply only Meiser Mena Meiser, not Truma Gedola together with the Meiser Mena Meiser. However, that, we have a different passage that says, from all of your gifts you have to take, um, uh, you know, Meiser, and that's, uh, I guess, uh, Truma Gedola. And that is coming to talk about once already it's been gathered into a pile and therefore the levy would have to separate Trumakidola from this Meiser, uh, this Trumas Meiser. Well, no. So the levy has his Meiser that he took from the field and since it was already in a pile, in addition to the Trumas Meiser that he has to give to the coin, he also has to take out the proper amount that is shy to the coin for Trumakidola. Um, Yeah, I think I said Trumas Meister. Trumas Meister is the same thing as Meister Mina, Mina Meister. Yeah, that's Trumas Meister. Oh my gosh, lots of different kinds of Meisters. Okay, but everyone got that? It's talking about where the Levi beat the Kohen to the pile, but at this point it's already Shaykh to Truma Gedola. The Levi needs to take from his Meister, and he has to separate Truma Gedola and Trumas Meister and give that to the Kohen. And he didn't do that. He didn't separate the, the Truma Gedola, and therefore you can't move it on Shabbos. Wow. Okay. Woo. Weiter. Velo es Meiser Sheni v'chule. If you have Meiser Sheni that has not yet been redeemed onto money, so you cannot move that either. Pshita, that's also obvious. Well, it's talking about where the guy kind of redeemed the Meiser Sheni onto money, but he also kind of didn't do it halachically correctly. Meiser Shepidoa Agabe Asimon. 
It's talking about where he um, redeemed or he transferred the kedusha of this Meister Shani onto basically like a like a fake coin, like a piece of just like a metal metal without any etchings in it. That it says vitzarta, you have to I guess form or take the money in your hand. But we darshan davrashesh botsura, the coin that you use to transfer the kedusha of the Meister Shani onto that coin has to have a form. It has to have etchings. It can't just be a plank coin. Um, and he did that. He transferred the um, Meister, the kedusha of the Meister Shani onto like a blank coin. So um, that doesn't work. And he won't be able to move this Meister Shani on Shabbos. Hektesh shechilu agabi karka. When we're talking about hektesh, it's talking about yeah. So let's say he said that he's gonna, I don't know, he's maktish something to the base amikdash, and then he wanted to transfer the kedusha of that thing that he was maktish to the base amikdash, uh, um, you know, onto onto something else. But instead of transferring it onto money, he transferred it onto property. So the achman amr v'nasan akesef become. It says that if you want to redeem um, hektesh, you have to give money, not property. Okay, fine. So in these cases, you would not be able to move the meiser um, sheni or the hektesh. Uh, that weren't redeemed properly. Veloes aluf, the Mishnah had said that you may not um, feed. I'm sorry, you may not move this luf bean, which is not eaten at all. Okay. Then Rabbi Shimon Gamliel had said the Mishnah that actually luf beans can be eaten by um, ravens. All right. Tanur Rabbanon, the Rabbis taught metatlin esa chatzav pneishu meichol tzvim. Okay, you can move chatzav. It's like a type of grass because it's edible for deer. Vesachardal, you can move mustard seeds. Mepneshu Michael Leonim because doves eat mustard seeds. Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel Omer Af Metatlin Shivrei's Chuches Mepneshu Michael Leonamios. Interesting. Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel says you can even move pieces of glass because ostriches eat pieces of glass. Interesting. Uh, apparently, I guess birds eat like different rocks and stuff to clear out their throats or pebbles. I don't know. Apparently, ostriches can even eat broken glass. That sounds very uncomfortable, but I'm not an ostrich. Like, maybe it's not so uncomfortable for ostriches. Maybe they can handle broken glass. It still sounds pretty uncomfortable, though, even if they can. Okay. Amr Abnasen. So now, Reb Nassim then said to Reb Shimon Gamliel, right? So Reb Shimon Gamliel said that you can even move broken glass on Chavez because ostriches can eat broken glass. Okay. So Amr Reb Nassim, Elamiyata chavile izmorosi ta'atalu mpneishu meichel nepilin. Well, should I be able to move bundles of, of vines because um, elephants can eat bundles of vines? So I guess Reb Nassim wasn't so into saying that like if random animals eat random things, Rabbi Nelson says, that doesn't mean that you'll be able to move these random things. So Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, no omil shchiche, pilin no shchiche. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, well, ostriches are more common than elephants. Probably depends where you live. Akoponim. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says that, okay, that you can move this broken glass since it's ostrich, ostriches eat it and they're, let's just say, not uncommon enough to say that you wouldn't be able to eat it, whereas um, elephants are uncommon enough, and therefore um, we wouldn't eat bundles of, or we wouldn't move bundles of uh, 
vines. Amr Ameymar vud islay naomios. So now Ameymar says, well, one second, when Reb Shimon says that, that, um, you can move broken glass because ostriches can eat broken glass. Well, that's only if you own an ostrich. If you own an ostrich, so then you can move broken glass. Amr Rav Ashi la Ameymar. Rav Ashi said to Ameymar, one second. One second. Reb Shimon had said that you can move broken glass because ostriches eat broken glass. Now, Amemar, if you're saying that, and that's only if you own that ostrich, well, remember, Rav Nassim wasn't so into Rav Shimon ben Gamliel's opinion. And he said, Rav Shimon ben Gamliel, what, would you say the same thing about an elephant? That you'd be able to move um, bundles of vines since elephants eat bundles of vine? So, now, Amemar, if you're saying that Rav Shimon ben Gamliel is talking about when you own the ostrich, well then, Rav Nassim must also be talking about when you own the elephant. And now says, says Rav Ashi, Well, if he owns his elephant, why shouldn't he be able to move these bundles of vines? You know, from the fact that Rav Nassim is assuming that you would not be able to uh, move these bundles of vines, means some of you don't own the elephant, which means that you also don't own the ostrich. So, Ella Roi Achanami Roi. No, the point is that you could theoretically, um, own, I guess, a, uh, right, meaning you could theoretically, I guess, own an elephant and then you'd be able to feed the elephant. Wow. How would you, I guess, there are ways to own elephants. Right. They do that in, uh, in like Southeast Asia and stuff, but they say that, um, I, I don't know what they say, but, yeah, apparently not, let's just say not all the elephants are treated in the highest levels of treating. Okay. Okay, so you're also, uh, when it comes to the ostrich, and, you know, you could, it's fit, you could own an ostrich. That's it. You could own an ostrich, and since you could own an ostrich, so, um, um, and it would eat glass, so you can eat broken glass, so you can move broken glass. Oh, nice. So we've seen this concept a few times, um, always quoted in the name of Reb Shimon, that all Yidin are considered, are considered like the um, sons of kings. Not just you, Janine. All of us. <laughs> okay. Amr Abaye says, says Abaye, Reb Shimon Gamliel, so fine. So Reb Shimon Gamliel and Reb Shimon and Reb Yishmael and Reb Akiva kulu svirlu koyisu abnei melachimim. So they all hold that um, that all the yidden are bnei melachim. Reb Shimon Gamliel had amarn. So Reb Shimon Gamliel, that which we just said. What did we just say? Well, we basically really had two examples where Reb Shimon Gamliel said it in our Mishnah. He said that you're allowed to move these uh, loof beans. That you're allowed to move these uh, loof beans because ravens can eat them, and he also says that you're allowed to uh, move broken glass because ostriches can eat broken glass. Well, who you know, as Rashi pointed out in our Mishnah, and I guess the assumption is over here: who normally would own ravens and uh, ostriches? That is uh, wealthier people, kings, and therefore, since we're assuming that uh, you can move these loof beans and broken glass on account of the fact that ravens and 
ostriches respectively can eat these items and theoretically anybody can own these items even though practically speaking it's generally b'nei melachim that means that Rabbi Shimon Gamliel treats everybody as b'nei melachim all the yidin like b'nei melachim Rabbi Shimon I lost it okay Rabbi Shimon did not so Reb Shimon had said, and that the sons of kings are allowed to um, put to apply um, rose oil to their wounds because they do that during the week. After all, so if they do that during the week and then they do it on Shabbos, it's not really a big difference, and therefore they're allowed to do that. Rabbi Shimon says, look, we treat all Yidin like B'nai Melachim, and therefore all Yidin can apply uh, rose oil to their wounds on Shabbos. Rabbi Shmav, Rabbi Akiva, the Tanya, as we learn in the Baisa Aresha, how you notion bo elef mana. Yikes, that sounds like a lot of money. Right? If he owed somebody a, a thousand manas, now, um, uh, a mana is like, I think it's like a hundred like zuz or something like that. I don't know. And a thousand of those. That's like a hundred thousand zuz or something. I don't know. It sounds like it's probably a lot of money. Yet this guy is wearing a very fancy robe that costs 100 mana, which is like um, $10,000, 10,000 zuz or something like that. He's wearing an expensive robe. So Tanakhama says, Mafshitin also, Mabishin also, it's la ruilo. No, if the guy's, if the guy owes a hundred thousand, you know, whatever, he owes a thousand mana. So the Tanakhama wants to say, if he's wearing a robe that's worth a hundred mana, which is 10% of what he owes, well, we tell him, hey, go buy a cheap robe and give us this robe that's worth a hundred mana. Don't, you know, when, when you owe people a thousand mana and you're saying that you don't have it, well then, don't walk around with your fancy 100 mana robe. Tanim mishum Rabbi Shmuel, v'tanim mishum Rabbi Akiva. Koyisar ruuin laosa itztila. Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva said, every body, every yid is 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 fit to be wearing that fancy robe. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you owe. Any yid is fit to be wearing a fancy robe, and that is that. So we see that Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, they all hold that all yin are b'nei melachim. Chavilei kash v'chavilei chulei. So the Mishnah had said that um, if you have bundles of straw and bundles of other things that you can use as animal food, so if you've in fact set them aside as animal food, so then you can um, move them on Shabbos. Taner Abanan, Rabbis Tor, chavilei kash Bundles of straw, v'chavile eitzim, bundles of wood, v'chavile zradim, and bundles of reeds. Imiskinon l'maychul be'ema, if you set them aside to be for animal food, metatl and osan, then you can move them on Shabbos. V'imlav e'en metatl and osan, if you have not set them aside for animal food, then you cannot move them. Okay? Reb Shimon Gamliel Omer, chavilin anitalim b'yad achas mutil etatlan, v'shteyodayim osil etatlan. Reb Shimon Gamliel said, that even these bundles that you would be allowed to move, let's say you set them aside for animal food, so you would be allowed to move them. However, you know, you can't just move them in any 
situation. You can move them if you'd be able to move them with one hand. If you would require two hands to move them, then it's too much tircha. You would not be able to move them, even if it's an item that theoretically you can move. But if it's in a quantity that will make it difficult to move, well, then you cannot move it. Chavile seya, ezov, the Quranists, we're going to define, or at least we're going to attempt to define uh, what seya, ezov, and Quranists are. Hechnis on the etzam, if you brought them into your house for wood, to dry them out for wood, Ain mistabik meham shabbos. Well, then you would not, you cannot use them on shabbos. Lemaichu beema mistabik meham shabbos. But if you brought them in and collected them for animal food, well, then you can, um, you know, use them on shabbos. Vikotim biyad. You can, if if for whatever reason, apparently these are things that are all, can be used for human consumption as well. So if you cut them up with your hand, um, you can eat them. Uvachal yiktom bechli. Just don't cut them up with some kind of a knife or or a kli. Okay. And you can also rub them and somehow extract whatever food is in them. Um, but just don't do that. Just don't um, like use some kind of a kli to rub lots of them and extract the insides of lots of them. You can rub them with the tips of your fingers and eat them as long as you don't use your hand in order to rub lots of them at once like you do during the week okay and the same applies to amisa which we'll explain what it is and pegam which is rue some kind of a plant and also similar spices Okay, fine. So it sounds like you can basically one out of your, one out of one at a time. You can like use your hand to it. Maybe it's like sunflower seeds or something. I have opinions on sunflower seeds, which I'm not going to share. What I am going to do though is I'm going to move on. My amita, what is amisa? The answer is nina. It is um, mint. Seya, what's seya? Amra bihuda tsasre. The answer is, seya is tsasre. I don't know what tsasre is. The art scroll defines it as tsasre. Azov abarta. Azov is hisap. Koranis is cornisa. Shma. Okay. Koranis is cornisa. Great. Vaahu de amalu manbai cornisa vishka chashe. Well, one second. There was somebody who said, hey, who wants to buy cornisa? Who wants to buy cornisa? And guess what it was? Chashe. So, why are we saying that cornisa? Koranis is Kornisa if really it's Chashe. So Ella, Seya, Tsasre, Ezov, Avarta, Kornisa, Chashe. Okay, fine. So while Seya is Tsasre and Ezov is, is, is Hisab, Kornisa is Chashe. Can we move on? Okay. Itmar, it was stated, Basar Maliach, salted meat. Mutil Tatlo B'Shabbos, you can move it on Shabbos. Okay, fine. So yeah, I wonder if there's some kind of like preserved, kind of salted meat kind of thing. Basar tafel, if it's raw meat, Rav Huna Amar Mutu L'Tatlo, Rav Chizna Amar Asu L'Tatlo. So Rav Huna says, you're allowed to move raw meat. Rav Chizna says, you're not allowed to move raw meat. Rav Huna Amar Mutu L'Tatlo? Did Rav Huna really say that you're allowed to move raw meat? Rav Huna Talmud Friends, file that away. Rav Huna was a student of Rav. There it is, black on white. There we go. We know where to fit in, where to fit Ravuna in. He, like Rav Yehuda, is a student of Rav. Okay. Rav Yehuda was also a student of, of Shmuel. Um, but okay, we know that Ravuna was a student of Rav. 
Virav Kreb Yehuda Now we know that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda the Islay Muktzah. That Rabbi, that Rabbi Yehuda holds of Muktzah. And we know that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. So one second. Raw meat is Muktzah. What are you going to do with it? It's raw meat. And Rabbi Yehuda and, 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 and Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda who holds of Muktzah. And Rav Huna was a student of Rav. So wouldn't that mean that Rav Huna also holds of Muktzah? So why is Rav Huna saying that you're allowed to use this meat? So listen to this answer. Listen to this answer. Do you hear this? That when Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda regarding Muktzah, that's only with regard to eating it, he holds of Muktzah. But with regard to moving it, he holds like Rabbi Shimon that there's no Muktzah that you'd be allowed to move it. Do you hear that? So Rav Huna is saying that you're allowed to move this raw meat because why shouldn't I be able to move raw meat? What, because I'm moving Muktzah? And I'm a student of Rav? Rav doesn't hold like Rabbi Yehuda with regard to moving Muktzah. With regard to removing Muktzah, I didn't mean removing, I meant moving. With regard to, with regard to moving Muktzah, he holds like Rabbi Shimon, you can move Muktzah. You just can't eat Muktzah or like use Muktzah. You know, if someone's Muktzah, don't use it. Or in this case, don't eat it, but you can move it. Isn't that nuts? That when Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda regarding Muktzah, it doesn't mean in terms of moving Muktzah. You can move Muktzah. Which means in terms of using muksa. In this case, in terms of eating muksa. Isn't that nuts? So apparently, so, so there was a note in the art scroll that says that like, so this, so this, this was Rashi's explanation. Uh, apparently, though, there are other Rishonim that, um, bring proofs that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda, even with regard to moving muksa. Um, and I guess there are different ways to learn it, but this is super interesting. I wonder why Rashi explains it this way and, how that would fit into those other places, I guess. Super interesting. Rav Chizda Amr Asul So Rav Chizda argues on Rav Huna and says that you would not be allowed to move raw meat. Rav Bar Ami Rav But one second, Rav Yitzchak Bar Ami visited Rav Chizda. Chaza Ahu Avaza Davu Mishim And Rav Yitzchak Bar Ami witnessed at Rav Chizda's house that they were moving um, goose meat from the sun to the shade. From Rav Chizda, Kiska, Chazina Acha. And Rav Chizda, they were basically moving this goose meat from the sun to the shade in response to the fact that Rav Chizda said, I'm losing money over here because I have this goose meat that's just out in the sun and it's gonna get rancid. So clearly Rav Chizda didn't have an issue with moving raw meat. So why is he saying here that, that raw meat is mukta? So you're not allowed to move it. So the Gemara answers, shiny baravaza the chazi umza. Goose meat is an exception because you can actually eat it raw. And therefore, because you can eat it raw, it wasn't mukta. That's why Rav Chizda was instructing um, the chevra in his house to move go- the goose meat from the sun to the shade. But in general, you would say that raw meat cannot be moved. Very interesting. Taner Abanan, the rabbis taught, dog maliach, salted fish, mutilatatalo. Okay, locks. You can move locks on Shabbos. Okay, very good. Dog tofel, but raw fish, sashimi, no way. As Rashi says, the bottom Rashi on Dav Kufchav Ches, Amur Aleph, De'enu roi liklum. You can't do anything with raw fish. What do you can do with raw fish? Wow. I guess they didn't eat too much sushi over there in uh, where Rashi was. All right. 
Basar ben tafel ben maliach mutu Meat, whether it's raw, whether it is salted, you would be allowed to move it. Wouldn't that be a kasha on uh, Rav Chizda? We have a brisa saying that you're allowed to move raw meat. I don't know. Tanur Abanadar, I was taught, metatlan esahat somos. You're allowed to move bones. Okay. Because dogs can eat bones. Okay. If you have um, uh, meat that's like going bad. And so Ashi says, Masriach. It's like rancid. So you can move that. Because you can feed it to a uh, wild animal. If you have water that was left unattended overnight. That was left exposed overnight. So um, we don't drink that because a snake may have um, injected its venom, infused its venom into the water. So if you have this mayim megulin, mipneshen, ruin lechasel, you're allowed to move those because you can feed it to a cat. Uh, snake venom doesn't bother cats apparently. Okay? Rav Shimon Gamliel Omer, kol atzmon osu l'shosem mipnei asakana. So Rav Shimon Gamliel says, look, you're not allowed to leave this mayim megulin because it's dangerous. So, I mean, the articles seem to understand this as referring to, um, and therefore, you can't touch them because it's mukta. I don't know. I figured, well, if you can't, if, if it's mipnei asakana, shouldn't you be able to certainly then, like, get rid of it, like, dispose of it because of, like, pikuach nefesh, I guess? I don't know. I guess not. I guess, well, I don't know. It depends how you learn it. I, I don't know. Maybe you can learn it either way. Maybe you could say exactly that, that Shemungamil is saying that um, you're not allowed to leave them around because of the sakana, therefore get rid of them. Or I guess the other way is saying that since you're not allowed to leave it around, then certainly it's mukta and you won't be able to move it. I don't know. New Mishnah. Kofin es asal lifne efrochim kadesha yailu v'yerdu. So you're allowed to overturn a basket before the little chickies so that they can play with it. You take a basket, you overturn it, put it in front of the chickens, they're mamish, the happiest little chickeny guys in the world. I'll tell my friend Yosef Goodman. I have this friend Yosef Goodman, um, and he's got a, a whole bunch of little chicken friends uh, living in his courtyard here. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. Well, unless I don't know, are you supposed to not tell people that? I don't know. If you're not supposed to know that, so then just forget I said that. But he does. All right. Um. So yeah, maybe 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 I'll, I'll tell them to take a little basket and flip it over, and then they could have a real fun time. But those aren't little guys, though; they're a little bigger. Okay. Tanagola shebarcha dochen osa achitikanes. So if you have um, oh this, I could tell them too. So if you have a um, chicken that runs away, and you got to get it back home, so you can't pick it up because it's muktzah. But you can kind of push it in the right direction. Okay. Madadin agalin v'sayachin. So now you're allowed when, so we said that when it comes to a chicken, you're not allowed to like pick it up or anything like that. But you can kind of push it. When it comes to, um, calves and when it comes to, um, baby donkeys, young donkeys, so you can actually do more than that. Not just push it in the right direction, but you can actually like escort it. And a woman can also kind of like, Rashi kind of describes it pretty well actually, but can like hold up a, a baby from behind him 
like supporting his arms and let him kind of do the walking, but don't like pick him up. Okay. When do we say that a woman is allowed to kind of guide her child? Only if the child is like, at least pretending, you know, doing something, you know, lifting up one leg, putting down the next one. But if he's just dragging his feet, so then, so then, you know, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't do that with the little guy, uh, because we don't want you to carry. Okay. Fine. Okay. Cool. Vaiter. Says the Gemara. Amr Vyuda Amr Rab. Says of Vyuda in the name of Rab. If you have an animal that fell into a stream of water, what do you do? Got a stream of water and there's an animal that accidentally got in there. What can you do? Can you take it out? Can you not take it out? So you take pillows and cushions and you put it under the little animal. Well, or a big animal. Whatever the animal is. Also, also, and if that helps the, you know, and, and, and if then the animal is able to get out, so the animal is able to get out. Okay, so the suggestion is you just take pillows and cushions, put it under the animal, and if the animal is able to now get itself out, great. We have a kashan reviewed on Murav. Okay, exactly our case. If you have an animal that falls into a stream of water, so you don't take it out, you don't extract the animal from the water, rather, you just give it what it needs to survive until Shabbos is over. You can feed the animal so that it doesn't die until after Shabbos, but you don't put pillows and cushions there. No problem. So we say it depends. If you'd be able to bring, you know, food and whatever it needs and it will manage to stay alive that way until after Shabbos and you can extract it then, you know, the, the water isn't too deep, it's able to hold its own. So then do that. That would be ideal in that case. Just bring some food or whatever it needs so that it can stay alive till after Shabbos. However, if the water's deep or for whatever reason you'd be, you know, you'd be unable to assist this animal enough that it can stay alive on its own. Well, yeah, go get some cushions, some pillows, and, 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 and set it up so that it can get itself out. The Gemara says, but one second. By taking these pillows and cushions and putting them in the water underneath the animal, well, you're being mevatal kli me'echano. Do you remember that discussion? It was quite a while ago. It was a few months ago already. But you're basically taking these pillows and cushions that right now on Shabbos, I can use them. I could sit on them. I could throw them at people. I have a really good time. But once I put them in the water to help out this animal, well then, zel, I can't, re- I, I certainly can't use them for the rest of Shabbos. They're, they're probably going to be wet and dirty or maybe even ruined ruin permanently. Who knows? But I'm basically taking this clay that I can use now and I'm making it so that I can no longer using it. I'm being mevatal kli me'echano. I'm being mevatal this clay from, from its usable status, from its available status. So the Gemara answers, yeah, but so what? So what? So what? Nehemiah says, look, people, you got to put things in perspective. Being mevatal klimei chanu is a dinder abanan. We're talking about mukta over here. It's a dinder abanan. 
Tsar Bar Lechaim, having a, an animal in a distressed situation, in a distressed state, is, is, a, is, a, is a mitzvah da'araisa. As the Pasuk says, Azov Tazov Imo, that if you have an animal that's struggling under its burden, you have to help it out. Because of Tsar Bar Lechaim. And therefore Tsar Bar Lechaim is midoraisa. The Oraisa is more important. And therefore, you can take these pillows and cushions and support this uh, animal in, in, in extracting itself from the um, stream of water. Don't worry about Muktzah and being So the Mishnah had said that if a chicken runs away, so you can kind of push it back towards where you want it to go, but do not like guide it in the same way that you would guide an animal or a um, baby, in this case it would mean basically like support its wings and let it do the walking. That doesn't work for a chicken. Dochen in midadin lo. So you can push the chicken back, but do not sort of support it by its wings. Um, that wouldn't work. Tanina la detana So we have a Mishnah here for that which we learned in a Brisa. Midadin be'ema chaya ve'ov bechotzer. That while you can sort of guide an animal and a wild animal and a bird in a chatzer, but not a chicken. Let's go on for a minute. my time alone. How come you cannot um, guide a chicken? Because the chicken, once you um, you know support it by its wings, it's just going to lift up its legs, and you're going to be completely carrying the chicken and its mukta. Now, when it comes to an animal or even other kinds of uh, birds, well, even if you guide them, support them by their wings, they will still um, continue to walk on their on their own. They won't just lift up their feet. Now, okay, this is my understanding. When it comes to just animals, so I think that you would be able to guide them even in Rishus Arabim, right? When it comes to birds, so we say that in a chatser, you'd be allowed to guide them and because they're probably going to keep on walking, chickens aside, right? They're probably going to keep on walking on their own, even when you're just guiding them. So in a chatser, it's fine. Now, me'ikradin, you should be able to do this in Rishusarabim as well, but we're concerned that maybe uh, what what happens if the um, bird lifts up his feet, you'll be carrying the bird in Rishusarabim. That would be a problem. So you could do it in the chatser. Animals, I assume that we don't really have that issue of them lifting up their feet and you'll be carrying them. So I assume that in Rishusarabim, that would be acceptable as well. Uh, but these other birds, you would be able to sort of guide in a chatser, but a chicken, you cannot even guide in a chatser because it, if, once you grab its wings, it will uh, lift up its feet and you'll be carrying it and it's mukta. And all you can do, the most you can do is you can just kind of push it. Okay, fine. Omar, uh, no. Tani chada, we learn in one b'risa. Midadin behema v'chayi of b'chatser, okay. So you'd be allowed to guide a an animal, a wild animal, and a bird in a chatser, in a courtyard, aval, lo brishus harabim, but not in rishus harabim. Fine. Ve'aisha midada is b'na brishus harabim, whereas a woman would be allowed to sort of guide her child even in rishus harabim. And as Rashi points out, because even if she ends up lifting him up, even if he ends up dragging his feet, we did learn... um you know, a little bit ago, that chay no atzmo, that a person who's alive carries himself. So, you know, technically speaking, she wouldn't be considered carrying him anyways. So she's allowed to guide her child by his arms 
in Rishus HaRabim, um, it's no problem. And certainly then in a Chatser, she'd be allowed to. Vitani idach, we learn in another brisa in okrin behem of chayiv of bechatzer aval dochin boyin. You would not be allowed to pick up an animal um, or a bird in a chatzer, but you can push them. Aval dochin boyin sheikansub. You can push them so that they get inside. Hagufakasha. One second, this is inherently problematic. Amart on the one hand you said in okrin aval daduye midadinon. On the one hand, you said don't pick up animals in a chatzer, which implies that you'd be allowed to guide them, right? But then you said that you're dafka allowed to push these animals, which implies, yeah, you can push them, but you can't guide them. In the safer when it says you can only push, it's not talking about animals anymore, it's talking about chickens. You can push chickens, you can't guide them, but animals and other birds, you can guide them. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about what I said about the animals in Rosh Hashanah, but it does make sense to me that why are you going to pick up the animals? Unless the point is that maybe if they're having problems, maybe you'll end up picking up because we're talking about small animals. So maybe even the animals also, you're only allowed in the chatzer. It's a little bit unclear to me, but Rashi only says um, about the chatzer in the context of geese, you know, which kind of like, you can assume that if you if you hold it by its, if you support it by its wings, it'll keep on walking with its feet. But we're concerned with Shisarabim that you'll end up picking it up. Uh, it's, it's unclear to me if we would say the same about animals. So... I don't know, may, maybe just when you're guiding your animals, I don't know, may, maybe unless, unless we get to the bottom of this, if you're guiding your animal by pulling it in a chatzer, do that. Maybe not Rosh Hashanah. All right. Fine. I'm going to buy it. It says a buy. I'm on the Shachit if you have a fellow who is slaughtering a chicken, and so you can't. What, so what you, you should do is you should push down its uh, legs into the ground so that their legs are bent. Inami um, lehu or maybe you should, or, or otherwise, just lift its legs off the ground. But you don't want the legs sort of on the ground. Because if the feet of the chicken are like planted firmly on the ground, well, they might be able to um, resist the knife of the slaughterer and that can cause to slaughter kosher problems because it might mess up the esophagus and trachea and rendering the um, shrita invalid. So one option is to sort of push down on the chicken onto the floor so that the um, legs like buckle and won't be able to be used in resistance. The other way is to just pick the little guy up off the floor um, so that its legs are kind of dangling in the air and um, can't cause resistance that way. Okay. All right. So says the Mishnah that you uh, may not birth an animal on Yomtiv, but you can help. Okay. Okay. Fine. However, a woman, you would be able to be miyaled to birth a woman on Shabbos. And you can call upon her midwife uh, wherever she is, even if she is outside of the Tchum Shabbos. She can nonetheless come. You can even be Mechalel Shabbos to um, when, 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 when aiding uh, this woman in giving birth. You can tie up the belly button 
Rabbi Omer Afchoten, you can even cut the belly button. No, no, one second, wait, no, maybe don't cut the belly button, but the uh, umbilical cord. Yeah, leave the belly button. Alright. Alright. And anything related to brismila you can do on Shabbos. Okay? Says the Gemara, Ketzim Asaydin, how do you, how do you aid an animal in giving birth? So, so Revuda says, well, you can grab the, uh, the, 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 the baby so that it doesn't fall onto the ground. Uh, you can catch the baby so that it doesn't fall onto the ground. Rav Nachman says that you can kind of push in the flesh of the uh, mother around where the baby is exiting so that, you know, it, it brings out the baby. Tanya, Kavasid Rav Yehuda. We have a Brisa supporting Rav Yehuda. Ketan Masadin, how do you support this animal that's giving birth? You can hold on to the child that's being born, this, well, this uh, baby animal that's being born so that it doesn't fall onto the ground. And you can blow into the uh, animal's nose because its nose has all sorts of, um, its mother's goop on it and it can't breathe so good so you can um, open up the airways. And you can put its mother's breast into its mouth so that it can eat. So that it will nurse. This is interesting. Gamliel says that we would have mercy on a, um, well, mirachem, a behemoth Torah and yamtiv. What this means apparently is that sometimes when animals give birth to a baby, so they, the mother can be somewhat distant from the, um, baby, like not want to go near it or have anything to do with it. So in that case, what you can do is you can do things to try to, um, uh, fix this. So, so, um, Remedy this. So uh, we're going to see what these remedies are to try to um, rekindle the relationship between the mother and the newly born child. Hey, Ovid. So what can you do to remedy this? Amr Abaye, this is interesting. Maybe bul shel melach umaniach la besok harechem kadeshi tiskort sayra v'tirachim alav. Wow. So what you could do is you could take a, a, a fistful of um, salt and you can put it in the um, mother's womb. This mother who just gave birth, you could put it in the salt in her womb and that would be very painful for her. Kadesh Tizkor Tzaira, so remember the pain of birthing this child and that will uh, somehow induce um, love and compassion for this child. And you can also take, um, what you could do is you could take the uh, placenta of the mother and you can put it in water and then take some of that water and rub it on the little baby, so that the mother will smell it, um, I guess the smell of this placenta water, and will have mercy on this baby. Now this is Davka, right, was saying that he would do this with um, Tahor babies, for Tahor animals, but not with Tame animals. My time, how come? The answer is, because the, um, I guess, behema, uh, uh, tummy animals, they, they don't distance their children, so there's really no need for this. But in the event that uh, tamea animals would distance their newly born babies, well, 
rubbing placenta and putting salt in their womb is not going to remedy that. Okay. So we can have a uh, midwife birth a uh, woman on uh, or assist a woman on Shabbos. Let's see. Tana lay. We already taught. Well, we already taught that um, a midwife is able to assist a woman giving birth on Shabbos, and we can even call her from outside of Tchum Shabbos. So, what are we learning from the fact that we say you can even be Mechal Shabbos in, 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 um, when, when the midwife is helping this woman give birth? So, so it's to, um, include that which we turn, learned in Abraisa. Well, if the woman giving birth needs, um, light, needs a candle, well, the midwife can light a candle for her. And if um, the woman giving birth needs oil, so the midwife can bring oil in from Rishus Arabim for her biyad. And what ideally, you know, if possible, she should just take some oil and put it in her hand and transport it that way, i.e. not in a kli. If um, she's unable to transport the uh, oil in the palm of her hand, so then she could put it in her hair and then interestingly, kind of like squeeze it out of her hair when she gets to the uh, to this woman who's giving birth and then there will be oil. Now if that's not really an option, then sure, just go bring the kli, that's fine. Um, you could be Michal Shabbos in that way. Amr Mar, we said earlier, So we said, one second, if the woman giving birth needs light, so then the, maid, the, the midwife is permitted to light a candle for her. Obviously, it's pikuach nefesh. So lo tzricha besuma. It's talking about even if the woman giving birth is blind. Ma'adutema came to lo chazya aser. I may have thought to say, well, since she's blind and what, you know, a candle isn't going to allow her, enable her to see. So maybe I shouldn't be allowed to, maybe the midwife shouldn't be allowed to light that candle on Shabbos. Kamash malon isuve meisva daita. So it teaches us that no, even if the woman giving birth is blind, you can still light a candle for her because it will calm her down, right? Uh, you know, it will make her feel more relaxed. Svara, because she assumes that if there's any problems, anything that needs to be seen, well, the midwife will then be able to see it and, and take care of it. So for that reason, um, um, you uh, would be able to light a candle even, even if um, the woman giving birth is blind. So we say that if she needs oil, so then you could put it in the palm of your hand, and if that doesn't work, then try bringing it in your hair. But one second, but well, if she puts it in her hair, well then, it's going to be schita anyway. So what's the difference if she carries a kli in Rosh Hashanah, or if she puts it in her hair, either way, she's going to be doing a malacha. So what's the benefit of putting it in her hair? So Rab and Rav Yosef both say, well, there is no schita, there's no extracting when it comes to stuff in your hair, because your hair doesn't absorb. Even if you want to say that there is schita when it comes to seir, what it means by way of the hair, it doesn't mean that you're going to put the oil in the hair and then um, extract the oil from there. It means that you can use your hair to somehow tie up this bottle and transport it that way. And that even though you're carrying a bottle, it will be with a shinoi. So just whatever you can do to make shinoi, make shinoi, why not? Okay. Very good. Very interesting. Let's do a recap of Daf Kufchav Ches of Masechta Shabbos. 
So first we talked about continuing in the mission of all these items that you can't move like Meiser, Shani, in the Chumaso and all that kind of stuff. Then we uh, got into like moving raw meat, which is interesting. Rav Huna said that you are allowed to move um, raw meat. Uh, Rav Chiza said you are not allowed to move raw meat. And the interesting thing there was that even though Rav Huna was a student of Rav, and Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda, interestingly he only holds like Rabbi Yehuda in regard to eating this raw meat. But in terms of moving this raw meat, he would hold like Shim, Rabbi Shimon and say you would be allowed to move it because there's no muksa, which is, which is interesting. An animal that fell into a stream of water. So if you just said the name of Rav, well, if it's possible, then sustain it until the end of Shabbos. If that's not possible, then you could take pillows and cushions, put it under the animal, and it'll just kind of climb out. Uh, we talked about moving animals, birds, and people. So when it comes to babies and animals, you can guide them in, in, in public. Um, and certainly a baby you can guide in private. Well, no, the opposite. Meaning animals and babies you can guide in private and uh, babies certainly you can guide in, in public. I think maybe animals also, but I'm not super sure. Maybe not. Um, when it comes to birds, you can guide them in private, but not in public. And that might apply to animals as well. Again, I'm not sure about how animals fit into that. Chickens, uh, you're only allowed to push them because if you take them by the wings, they're going to lift up their feet and you're going to be uh, carrying them and that's mukta. And then we talk about giving support to an animal that's in labor. Rav Yudah says you can catch the baby. Um, Rav Nachman says you can push the flesh around the baby that is being born to push in the mother's flesh to kind of uh, bring out the baby. And... Ah, we say it can be mechal a Shabbos for uh, a woman who's giving birth, such as lighting a candle and bringing oil through Shasarabim. And then at the end we talked a little bit about um, is there schita, is there extracting when it comes to hair? Rabban Raviosa said there's no concept of extracting when it comes to hair. Ravash says that even if you say that there is a concept of extracting when it comes to hair, um, nonetheless, when it comes to transporting oil, it means that you can sort of tie the bottle in the hair and transport the oil that way with a shinoi. Um, Alright, friends, that was Masech, that was Daf. Kuf Chav Ches, I hope you enjoyed. Have a great day or night or whatever.